Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Practicing His Presence with Elder Gail Osby. It is a glorious morning. We give God all the honor, we give Him all the praise, and we bless His holy name this morning. I thank God for all He is doing in the body of Christ, for what He is speaking and saying through His men and women, the apostles and prophets. Hallelujah. Well, today's message is going to be on the soul. See, God gives us special keys to unlocking the mysteries of the kingdom. And he says, we, the church, are built upon the apostles and prophets. In other words, he gives them special revelation, wisdom, and the ability to impart understanding that has been given unto them. By whom? By God himself. And we are seeing that in these last days, God does not want us ignorant of Satan's devices. He doesn't want us to walk around with our heads in the sand and not seeing and knowing and understanding what is being released upon this earth to save our souls. So the church must know, I really believe this, this is your time your season to understand your purpose in life. So if you haven't wondered, God, why was I placed on this earth? What is my calling? What is my mission? What do you have for me to do? Then you have not tapped into God's thoughts for your life. You know, you're falling short of your purpose. You're falling short. So I would just urge you, I would urge you, you know, you don't want to be like the children or the men and women that we see who was written about in the book of Hebrews. They were faithful. They were faithful. God even spoke of them. He said, but they didn't receive the promise. And if there are over 5,000 promises in the Bible, you want to receive God's promise. We're not in the early church any longer. We're in the last days. And the Bible tells us that God is pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. His sons and his daughters. His handmaidens to the old, to the young. God desires a relationship with you. But not the one that you had already. Not the one you had. You've done that. It's time to let go and let God. It's time to go into another level, another dimension, another realm, a higher height with him, a deeper call with him to hear the father's voice a little bit more clearer in this season. It's time to take off the brakes. Time to say, okay, God, I've done my will. I've done what I wanted to do. Now, what's thy will? What do you have for me to do, Father? See, that's where we are with the Lord. God doesn't want us to walk around in cycles, letting the enemy come in and come out whenever he so desires. But God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And when you begin to tap into revelation knowledge and understanding 
and the wisdom that he's releasing through men and women of God. Yes, sometimes you can't get it for yourself. No, you can't sit home and just read the Bible and you say, oh God, speaking to me. He gives us men and women of his heart, just like he gives you shepherds, pastors of his heart. He places in the body of Christ, apostles and prophets. Apostles are sent ones. They are sent by God to establish the the New Testament church. They are foundation layers and builders. He opens up the revelation of heaven for them so that they may teach, train, and instruct the people in all righteousness. And then he gives us prophets who are seers of the word, seers of God. They're looking to and fro. God speaks to them about the conditions of his church, about his people to bring us out of the old and to bring us into the new, to establish us in the truths of God. So yeah, you need God. You need apostles. You need prophets. You need teachers. You need pastors and you need evangelists the fivefold gifts. But today I really believe, and I want to read this to you because I firmly believe this scripture. When you begin to see the ministering that takes, that takes place in the body of Christ through his apostles and prophets, you would fully understand why God is speaking through them. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter two, verse 19 and we're going to read down to 22. It says, and I'm using the modern English version. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. He's talking to us, the church, but our fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. See, when we are on the outside looking in, not born again, you know, in the old in old and New Testament, the people were Jews. This ministry was geared towards Jews because in the Old Testament, they were Jewish. The New Testament, they were Jewish and they became Jewish Christians. So because they weren't born a Jew, people saw them as outsiders. They were foreigners. They were strangers and they lived amongst the Jews, they were allowed to live as long as they practice or in the Old Testament, as long as they practice what the Jewish people practice. But God is telling us in the New Testament, you're no longer, if you're with us, you're no longer strangers and Jews, but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets. Yes, the apostles, the 12 apostles, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the entire building, in other words, the body of Christ, that whole building, the ecclesia, are fitly framed together, growing. You see, it's not staying stagnant. It's not staying on the same place. But God says growing, his word says growing into a holy temple of the Lord. Growing, I'm adding to my temple. I'm adding, I'm gathering, I'm uniting people. I'm giving them the revelation. I'm pouring down my wisdom, my will, the testament of Jesus Christ is being poured into 
the people that they may be they, they may grow. Verse 22 says, in whom you also, he's talking to you, he's talking to me, are being built together into a dwelling place of God through the Spirit. In other words, God is building us. Why? Because he wants to dwell in us. He wants to live in us. He wants to live through us. You know, God is awesome. Well, I'm going to go on from there. So I believe that the mystery to the keys to living an abundant life is to know who he is, to understand him. And it's not always when we talk about abundance, it's not always talking about money, finances. God's going to God's going to make me a millionaire. God's going to give me a big home. Oh, I want a Lamborghini. I want this and I want that. But it's not so much about what you want. It's what is God's will for you? There are 5,000 promises in the Bible. What is he saying? Yes, wealth is one. That's a prayer that we should pray every day. About the wealth. Because he tells us the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. He wants us to be wealthy. He says men and women will come. Sons and daughters will come. With wealth in their hands to give over to you. That's in the book of Isaiah. But he's also speaking about long life. Isn't that abundance? Isn't that wealth? Isn't that health? He's talking about our health. There's one scripture that I, 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 I love. He says, I will put none of the diseases that are, upon, uh, that are upon the Egyptians upon you. In other words, to those that don't know, know him, they will endure infliction. They will endure sickness. They will endure. They, they will go through those things. That's, that's, you know, the pestilence and that's the disease that's out there in the world. But he says to my children, to those who have a covenant with me. I won't put that on you. I'm not going to allow it to touch you. You know, so so when you know God, you know his authority that we have. He's given and delegated to us. That no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Jesus went around and he rebuked some things. He rebuked sickness. He rebuked disease from people. Because that was his level of authority. And if we have been given delegated authority by Jesus Christ, then we have the same right to rebuke those things. We are to walk in health. We are to walk in healing. But I don't want to go off topic. I want to stay right where I am. And I just want to thank God for our senior leader of the Legacy of Glory Ministries, our our apostles and prophets, who are speaking about sowing to the soul. And, you know, for many years, even though I worked in ministry, worked in various uh, you know, components of it. I work with deliverance and, you know, I, I read books and I try to stay abreast and I, I attend services. I do everything that is expected of me so that I can grow in the understanding and the nature of God. But, you know, I, I, I always had a question. Why do some people go around in circles and circles and circles? they never change? And I'm like, God, you know, don't you think they would learn by now that what it, they're doing is unacceptable? You know, I didn't get an answer, but I really feel like I've, I, I, I have the answer now because I understand they're still living in the spirit from the spirit from the, I'm sorry, from the soul. 
They're living from their soulish man. There are three parts to man. His spirit, the spirit of God, the soul, and the soul being the mind, the will, the emotions, and the body. You know, that takes us all the way back to Adam and Eve. When Adam sinned in the garden, he caused man to lose his dominion. You know, when we fail to develop our ability to distinguish between our spirit and our soul, it becomes fatal to our spiritual maturity. We're not able to move forward. We're not able to advance, you know, because we don't understand as Christians, we, we should be living by our spirit or through our spirit, not our soul. Our soul still needs to be developed. It still needs to be delivered. It's still, there's some crucifying of things and purging of things that need to come out of ways that are not of God. And see, when we live through our spirit, we're living through the Holy Spirit. But I don't want to go ahead of myself. Let me just read this to you. 1 Corinthians 15 and 45 says, So it is written, the first man, Adam, we're going all the way back to Genesis, became a living being. The second, the last, I'm sorry, the last Adam, he is a life-giving spirit. In another Bible translation called the New Life Translation, it says, same verse, 45, the holy writings say the first man, Adam, became a living soul, but the last Adam, Christ, is a life-giving spirit. So instead of being a living being, as we saw in the first translation, we now that they're talking about Adam having a living soul. Now, I want to read you one more translation, the Message Bible, which gives a more clearer understanding and expresses the difference between the soul and the spirit. It says in verses 45 through 49, we follow this sequence in scripture. The first Adam received life. The last Adam is a life-giving spirit. So the first Adam, he receives a soul. Yes. The last Adam is a living, life-giving spirit. All right. Keep that in mind. So physical life comes first. First Adam. Then spiritual. Jesus Christ. A firm base shape from the earth. A form, a form, form, base shape from the earth. That's Adam. He came from the earth. God created him. And a final completion coming out of heaven. That's Jesus Christ. He came to earth to what? Redeem man. The first man was made out of earth. And people since then have been earthly. Because we're born with Adam's nature. We're born of the earth. That's why when we pass on, the Bible says, ashes to ashes, dust to dirt. We were from the earth and we go back to the earth. Okay. The second man was made of heaven. And people now can be what? Heavenly. So in the same way that we worked from our earthly origins, we have to start embracing. We have not already are heavenly ends. That's Jesus Christ. So 
The word life, which refers to the soul, it can be found in both the Old Testament and in the New. So God is concerned with our soul. So God's his plan for our spirit is to have preeminence over the soul. But as man, because of the fall of Adam, became fleshly, our spirit sunk down in servitude. So in other words, our soul is dictating to us. Our mind dictates our will and our emotions. And we see that every day. How many people are walking in the spirit? How many people have that connection with God? How many people are, are pondering, thinking on God and, and doing what is good and right and doing what the Bible says that is godly? But you see so much corruption in the earth. You see people doing uh, works so that they can be satisfied. Let me give you one example. You know, growing up as a, a child, you know, when people tell you no, and I'm not talking about defiance, I'm talking about there were times um, as a young teenager growing up, I was told that I wasn't smart enough, didn't know enough. You know, be quiet. You can't do this. It's not for you. Those words somehow in, in order for me to defeat those words my will kicked in so whatever it took whether it's my education learning whatever I had to do to master whatever was told to me that I could not do I did so that means that I'm operating out of my will I'm operating out of my own mind but I'm not operating out of the mind of Christ and I'm not, I, I'm not operating out of the will of God for my life. Those are things that I did because someone told me I was incapable of doing it, mastering it. So, so when I talk about my soul, my soul is in control, but not the spirit of God. I didn't allow, because I'm, I'm a young child, I didn't allow the Spirit of God to move over that situation so that God's perfect will could be done. So instead of being spirit-controlled, now I was controlled by the soul. And then we also know that some people, and I'm, this one I, you know, I, I'm going to give a generalization concerning what it means. And in some cases, man is controlled by his body. You know, there are people who let their appetites control them. I'm not just talking about obesity, just eating to eat. You know that you're overweight. You know that illness and sickness is coming upon your body, yet you continue to eat the wrong things. Or those who are in drug addiction, who go into rehab, come out, keep taking drugs, go back into rehab, come out, keep taking drugs and say, I can't help it. I can't help it. It's something in me. Well, your body's speaking to you. Your body said, give me one more. And you go, you go back and you do it. You don't know how to tell the body to shut up. No, you can't have it. Or even those who get connected men and women and, and, and this, especially among the young who become sex addicted. 
go from woman to woman to woman to woman, have baby, 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 and love all of them. So oh, I love them. I love that one. You're being dictated. Women do the same thing, man to man to man to man. But you, you are being dictated to by your body. Your body, not, not, it's your organs and your body. Your female, your reproductive organs are saying, hey, one more time, and you jump. But see, God doesn't want that. I'm going to come out of that, okay? God doesn't want that. When we come into the body of Christ, yes, we're made new. But then there's something called carnal Christianity. And a carnal Christian is a person who's been born anew with God's life, but instead of overcoming his flesh, the flesh overcomes him. So the flesh dictates to that person what he wants him to do. So we see a lot of carnal Christians in the church. How many of you have come out of church? And I remember when I first uh, moved into uh, one denomination, I'm not going to name it. After service, come outside, and all the deacons are standing outside smoking. And I'm going, huh? Why would they smoke? Why are they defiling their body? If this is the temple of God, and me being a young Christian, I didn't get that. Because I knew God was taking things out of my life, trying to remove things that were not of him from me. So that I could draw closer to him. So why are these men who are deacons, who are officers, who are leaders in the church, outside smoking and congregating and laughing and hee-hawing? I just didn't get it. That's called carnal Christianity. But all of that hinders our salvation. So now we understand how men and women, Christians, can be weak. See, our full our salvation isn't fully realized. It's not full, fully taking place in our life. But God wants us to walk in the full benefits of our salvation. So think of it like this. If salvation includes wholeness, soundness of mind, health, prosperity, preservation, and deliverance, how can we retain it? How do we keep doors closed? How will we rid the enemy out of our lives? We have the spirit of God, but it's the soul that we have to begin to work on. Apostle Paul says it best in Galatians 2 and 20. And I'm going to read that to you. Um, I, I just thought, it, you know, he says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live In the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's Romans 6 and 7. All right, I gave you the wrong information. I just want to read this to you from from the modern translation. Romans 6, I'm going to start at verse 5. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, in other words, the church, we know that Jesus atoned for our sin. How? He was crucified. He died on the cross for us so that we might live. So shall we also be united with him in the likeness of his resurrection. So if we identify with Jesus' death, we also should identify with his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man, what Jesus took to to death, the old man, the old nature, 
the first Adam, the sins, what he, what, what came on the earth as a result of the sins of Adam and Eve has been crucified with him. It died with him. That old nature died. And that's the way if we identify with Christ, our old nature dies. So that the body of sin might be destroyed. And we should no longer be slaves to sin. There should be something broken. We should no longer have an acceptance or an urging or, or, or living out of that soulish realm where we have the I can't help us. Oh, I gotta have it. I gotta have it. For the one who has died is free from sin. When Jesus died, he's, he, he's freed us from sin. If we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death has no further dominion over him. So if it doesn't have dominion over Jesus, we being in Christ, Christ decides it has no dominion over us. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. And that says he died for us all. But he lives, he lives, he lives to God. But the life he lives, he lives it to God. Amen. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. So let me keep going. Oh, my goodness. So crucifixion is the one and only way to die to the flesh. That's what happened with Jesus. So we're, we're asked to put off the old man and put on Christ. I hear the words echoing in the spirit so much these days. Christ is our hope and glory. When we begin losing more of our soul life through death, through crucifixion, we gain more of God's abundant life through resurrection. The soul of man always wants to retain authority. He's always going to rise up to say, hey, look at me. But that's why we daily crucify. We daily, we daily go to God. We daily put our flesh under subjection. To what? To the spirit. Apostle Paul said that there was a, a war that was waging between his soul and his spirit. And that's for every believer. Galatians 5, 16 through 18 says, So I say, walk by the spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. For we know that the law is spiritual. But Apostle Paul says, I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. If I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. For what I hate, I do. So in other words, he's sinning and he hates it. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As if it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. 
So Apostle Paul realizes that there's sin in him. So he says in verse 21, So I find this law law at work in me. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner beings I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work with me. What a wretched man I am. He calls himself a wretched man. (laughs) Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then he wants the mind of Christ, not the mind to be a slave. When we're in proper relationship with the Holy Spirit, that breeds a spiritual life and a spiritual man. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, we are children of God. So God calls you children of God. To be a spiritual man or a spiritual woman, you must place yourself under the total subjection of your spirit. And you must be governed by the Spirit of God. Yes, it can be done. Yes, it can be done. God is calling each and every one of us to come up to a higher level, new places in him. We can no longer stay the same. We can no longer say, oops, I don't know. I didn't know that. Oops, I couldn't help that. Oops, nobody told me that. But God is telling you, it's time to come out of the playpen. It's time for your eyes of understanding to be enlightened and time for you to move into new realms of understanding concerning your salvation, concerning your deliverance, and concerning the places that he is calling you to. So, Father, we just thank you for each and every listener and each and every person who is listening to this message. Father, we ask today that you would open up their eyes of understanding Enlighten their spirits, their mind, their will, their emotion. Give them the understanding in their spirit man. Holy Spirit, hoover over their lives. Bring them into new revelation in you. Understanding about the spirit man and how they can obtain a closer walk with you. I pray for their deliverance. That whatever hindrance and blockages are there that it would be removed in the name of Jesus. I bind and break the powers of anything covering up their mind that would cause them to walk in this earth as mere men. And I decree and declare that they will have a new life in Christ Jesus. The old things have passed away and all things become new. I pray for the rejuvenation of their mind, Father, that you will cause them in the illumination of their mind, that you will cause their eyes to open, that you will cause their hearts to beat new. You will cause their inner man to find his purpose in you, O God, that they'll no longer Walk this earth, Lord, seeking out the earthly elements, but they'll come to the spirit of God and come through the spirit of God, knowing that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you, they could ask or desire father, that you're changing the hearts of men concerning them. You're giving them the favor that they need, that the promises of God may come true in their life. But father, I thank you today that you are no, they will no longer accept 
what the enemy says about their lives and walk according to the course of this world. But they'll be like Apostle Paul, Father. They'll be like the men and women of faith in the Bible. Father, they will stretch out on you, Lord, trusting in you and believing and hoping in your word, God. So we give you all the honor today and we give you all praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, be blessed today. Be blessed, be blessed, be blessed. I hope you receive something from this word. And I hope God touches you like never before in a magnitude and multitude of ways that whatever was keeping you from moving closer to God will be broken. And that Jesus, who is Lord, will have his way in your life. Well, God bless you. And until we meet again, Shalom.